and welcome back to How Does Your Garden Grow? In this interview, I talked to Peggy Blout, a local artist and gardener here in Sarasota, Florida. She just discussed a little bit about why she gardens, her inspirations, and little tips and tricks that might help you in your garden as well. So I hope you enjoy this episode. So I'm here with Miss Peggy, and Peggy and I first met through Ringling College of Art and Design. And Peggy's an artist, a painter, and I'll just let her explain a little bit about who she is and what she enjoys most about her artistic expression, being in the garden, and how that is a reflection of who she is a little bit. So, hi, I'm Peggy, and we are in Peggy's Paradise. We are, definitely. Peggy's Paradise, my Instagram name. (laughs) So I got started because I was raised on a working farm in central Illinois, and I've always been the kid that would rather be outside than inside. If given a choice of go outside and weed the garden or get the vacuum and do the living room, I was outside. Yeah. (laughs) I also found once I was outside, I could kind of disappear after a little while, (laughs) and then I didn't have to worry about the vacuum. (laughs) Gardening to me now is an artistic expression. Uh, it's in my heart and soul. I'm I'm an earth goddess type person. And when I plant and as I prune and as I encourage to grow and guide, there is an artistic vision. I'm I'm thinking about the the resulting look, mm-hmm. you know, how it will grow and what it will become and how that works in the landscape with all the other plants and the contrasts and it's, it's all a, an art expression just like painting, only I'm painting the plants. Definitely. And an important part of my garden are the pollinators and uh, growing with native Florida plants because they need less tending and less care because this is their environment, so they're easier. And I like to support the honeybees and the butterflies. Um, Part of my concept in gardening and in life, uh, my philosophy is about the circle of life. So that's all in my mind, too. So we're actually sitting back here right now, and it's just absolutely beautiful. I've always been a huge admirer of how you get things to thrive so well, and I feel like that's why I was really inspired to interview you and kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how you're almost like this plant whisperer. Like, all your plants just seem so happy all the time. I'm always like, how does she do it? They're just always blooming, and the diversity, it really is just a painting and an expression, and, and I find that the way that you mix and combine colors and textures within your painting. I mean, it definitely reflects within your gardening as well. As far as why they thrive, well, I'm all about what the plant needs. And when I acquire a new plant, I immediately Google it and look it up and read about it and find out where it grew originally naturally because that tells me a lot about what it needs. Yeah. And then I just make sure I put it in the right place for whether it needs sun or shade or full or partial or whatever. Mm-hmm. And make sure I water it correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, if it doesn't like its feet to be wet, I try to, you know, I don't water that pot as often as I water the pot beside it if it needs more water. Yeah. Um, I feed them regularly, not entirely organic. I do use commercial mm-hmm. fertilizer. I don't do it so much on a schedule, like, oh, it's March 1st, it's time to feed with this blend of fertilizer. I don't do it that way. It's more about my communication with the plant. Totally. I watch the plant and I, I see the, I see something going on with the plant. It's like, what's going on? This is not true to form. Mm-hmm. This is not following its nature. 
it's looking leggy, it's looking yellow, it's looking droopy, it's, you know, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So then I assess the problem and I correct it. Yeah. So I, I make those adjustments to meet the plant's needs. So that's why they do that. Yeah, it definitely reflects. I remember seeing this garden when it was in its very young state. You helped me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I helped you. <laughs> that big bush. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I did help you plant the, the tree. Yeah. The Hollywood tree. Yeah. It was like three foot tall. Yeah. And you helped me put it in the ground. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's just changed so and now, much. And now it's like taller than the use of the house. That's right. From my perspective, it's as tall as the chimney. It really is a, a lesson in patience. The bougainvillea behind you, Kareth, on, on the shade structure is growing according to what my imagination for it was five, six years ago. Yeah. When I planted it, again, it was like a three-foot nursery nursery shrubs, two of them. And over the years, I've guided it, trimmed it, pruned mm-hmm. it, tied it, knowing eventually I wanted it to go to the top of this shade structure and come out and grow this way yeah. and extend the shade in the yard. Because the heat in the middle of the yard is something that, I, that plants struggle with. Yeah. So this is a growing shade structure that had been planned since, let's see, I got the house in 12, 13 or 14, mm-hmm. so five years ago. Mm-hmm. That, again, I wanted vertical to provide shade going toward the pool, and eventually I knew it would get that big, yeah. but it would stay cl- like a column, columnular, yeah. yeah, something like that. Okay, yeah, I get the, I get the visual. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, I, I see the long term vision of, of what the plant will look like mature and mm-hmm. how it will grow, like the vines. You know, mm-hmm. I have a lot of vines in my garden because I like the vertical aspect because my garden is narrow, it's yeah. long and narrow. Yeah. And when I first moved in, nothing was growing here. Nothing. Remember? Really? It was bare. Yeah, there were like two things in here. That big tree, that big tree in the corner over there. And the middle vine opposite the pool, the Rangoon creeper. Mm-hmm. Two things were in this yard. Crazy. And it just felt like living, being in a shoebox. I maybe said that to you at some point. It's like, I don't know. It's just sitting out here. It feels like I'm sitting in a shoebox. It's hot. Because, you know, there weren't these extra shade things mm-hmm. going on now, you know. So the vines really, and you made a mention to me about vines. Now, I remember we did have this conversation because um, you said, well, you can get some narrow like shelves to put up against the house under the kitchen window and you know got me thinking about the vertical Mm -hmm. so adding the vines on the fence uh created more verticality in the Mm -hmm. yard and um, that to me is important artistically yeah yeah absolutely yeah so you're really big on right plant right place totally right soil yeah, so you want to talk a little bit about your soil? So if it was a shoebox and you came in and we're all familiar with Florida soil yeah, sand. and its sandy qualities. Yeah, it, it, the, kind, the kind of sand that, that it doesn't even like just soak through, it just kind of floats on the surface. Yeah. There's a name for that. I read it somewhere. I forget what it's called. So there's some of that too. Yeah. Um, and, how, and it's very different, obviously, from Illinois. Illinois is rich river bottom loam. Wow. Because that whole central basin through the central part of the Midwest, that mm-hmm. whole central basin, geographically speaking, is is runoff for the Mississippi River wow. and floodplain for the Mississippi River, also the Ohio River, the Indiana River, mm-hmm. you know, so those before drainage ditches were dug, rich river soil, yeah, arid, aerated, aeratable, full of organics yeah. and just black and, oh, smell, has, yeah. a, oh gosh, it's wonderful soil. Wow. 
So, yeah, and then I've lived in Virginia where it's clay. Yeah. <laughs> I've lived in Massachusetts where it's a lot of rock. <laughs> wow, so you got a good diversity <laughs> under your belt. I've had a garden everywhere I've lived, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've learned to deal with it. To, again, what does the plant need? Well, it's not going to grow in clay. Mm-hmm. You know, it needs, and in our Florida, getting back to the Florida soil, it mm-hmm. needs organics. Mm-hmm. It needs the cow manure. Yeah. So I dig a big hole of the, the soil that's naturally here, the sandy Florida soil. Dig a big hole. And then I make a mixture of uh, sphagnum moss, milled, mm-hmm. not the long stringy part, milled sphagnum moss, um, bagged manure, mm-hmm. and um, garden soil, a mix of garden soil. And I've tried many different brands of mixes of garden soils, mm-hmm. and some of them are better than others. Some of them are just milled wood basically there's huh. really no soil there it's yeah wood yeah product. it's like a malt like and especially you run into that if the bag is labeled topsoil oh really yes that's basically huh. milled mulch so i always go for the garden soil because that will have something added to it like maybe a, a small amount of fertilizer some vermiculite maybe it's got some moss and it's going to have a lot of wood products too yeah i always look at look at the bags and, and go for garden not top no, that's really good. So that, you, that mixture of yeah. the three things makes a nice light mixture, and then I take that to the hole and I mix it with the native soil. So the sand is in there too, but there's other stuff in there that's more beneficial to the root system. Yeah, it's part of what you need. I mean, and you can see the fruit of it. <laughs> <laughs> I have five pineapples. Yay. I know. How awesome. I enjoy eating from the garden. Mm-hmm. Um I grow a few few things like green beans and tomatoes and pineapples just kind of do their own thing. Yeah. Uh, and the herbs, you know, we, we've talked about the visual and how that's mm-hmm. an art form visually to me. But it, it's also an, the enjoyable part of it for me is the eating. Yeah. Of it. Of course. The fresh in the kitchen, the fresh yeah. herbs in the salad. Yeah. Fresh green beans in a salad, maybe enough to cook. Yeah. Never a lot. I ate fresh from the garden from the time I was a little bitty. One of the first things I ate in the spring were radishes. Uh-huh. Yeah, as soon and they were like pea size when I would start eating them. Yeah. But of course, we planted out on the farm big rows of them, so it didn't really matter. But I would look and find ones that had like one bite, and I pull them and I take them to the outside faucet and basically rinse them off, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and just munch down on them. Same mm-hmm. thing with carrots, green beans, peas, even sweet corn. I eat straight out of the garden. Yeah, grew up eating out of the garden. So when I can take something like green beans or carrots tomatoes straight into the kitchen and within an hour I'm eating it that's like mm-hmm. feeds my soul it's awesome so you know there's always something to do there's always you know tending to take care of it it's not going to be completely take care of itself or yeah just but you know like I recently did just did a neem oil spray yesterday I noticed some aphids and some mealybugs yeah. and some you know creepy crawlers you know like I said I, I see what look at my plants every day yeah, of I walk course. the garden several times a day and I, I catch things when they first start happening yeah you know, like that leaf looks what's going on and then i'll like flip it over and see what's on the underside and like oh we have spider mites yeah oh whoa okay and yeah. so yeah i did a neem oil. I, try, I try insecticide wise i use mm-hmm. neem oil and uh, what's the other one uh, that comes from uh, pyrith- pyrithium comes from uh, chrysanthemums, uh, huh. mums, Corinthium. I think. Huh. Anyway, we, we, we can look in my closet yeah. in the side yard and see what's there. But I try to use natural mm-hmm. and apply like late in the evening or early in the morning before okay. the bees are out. And yeah, that sort of thing. I'm real careful with it because I am growing for the pollinator. 
Mm-hmm. For the butter. Totally. That's yeah. very important. Yeah. So I have pipe fine, which is Yeah, the Aristolochia. I see it. And that's for the uh, pipe fine butterfly. And they denude that vine. The larvae hatch yeah. and they completely denude that vine. And that one has a cool flower, doesn't it? Oh my gosh, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. And very cool? sensual. Oh uh-huh. my god, so uh-huh. sensual. Purple mm-hmm. throat and yellow hairs and Oh my God, just gorgeous. So there's that one. And then in the bird bath, there's a pot that's uh, got a, a small leaf plant growing in it. That's a water plant. And it's the larval food for the peacock butterfly. Oh, cool. And then I'm growing the swamp milkweed, which is the larval food for the monarch butterfly. Yeah. And I recently got passion vine started, mm-hmm. which is the larval food for the golf fritillary. Yes. Don't you love that, me? I do. I sometimes don't like those little caterpillars when you start the, your new vines. Uh-huh. And they just totally consume them. So I've always, yeah. I've been waiting to put them in a little bit more mature so mm-hmm. that the, the vine can catch up with the consumption of the fritillary. Uh, fritillary My philosophy but. on that. And I've seen people post things like this on social media, too. Like, oh, my God, the milkweed's almost denuded, and there's so many little caterpillars, and there's not enough milkweed. And I'm just like, well, back off from that, and don't worry about it. Nature will find its balance. Totally. Mm-hmm. Let nature have it. So the passion vine that I planted, like you said, immediately got denuded. And I haven't grown it before, so I wasn't sure if I should just leave all the vines there, where the leaves going to come back along the vine. I could have looked it up, but I didn't. I'm more of a... Just watch it and see what happens kind of gardener. Yeah. <laughs> but I do look things up, too. Well, that's Any- a good way not to get stressed about your garden. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> watch and see what happens. <laughs> but anyway, it got to the point where it was, like, totally bare, and there were caterpillars on the bare stems, and, and I, no leaves were coming. I was like, well, I think we just need to cut this back. Yeah. So I recently cut it back and took all the old vines away and everything. Yeah, there's probably eggs that got discarded, and there were little caterpillars that aren't going to mature. You know, but that's nature. That's it part is. of the circle of life. And and I've noticed that since I planted the passion vine, that it has come up randomly several feet yeah. from the original. It's going to be a real pest. It's going to need constant, like, uh, pulling out the ones mm-hmm. that get away too far into the yard and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a constant thing yeah. going on. But I love the fritillary. I love mm-hmm. them in the yard. They're so gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll deal with that and don't worry about it. Let yeah. nature find its balance. I've recently had fennel, uh, lots of fennel, and that one's the um, larval food for the uh, giant swallowtail. Oh, I'll have to get me some fennel. Yes. Because I've seen giant giant swallowtails here. I've seen big black swallowtails, and I've seen the one that's like black on one side and and yellow and black on the other side. Yeah, that could be the giant. That's the giant. Oh, my God, they're so gorgeous. Yeah, they love fennel. Well, I was recently stalking one yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a butterfly stalker. <laughs> That's where all those pictures come from that I post on social media. It's not, you know, that I go out one minute and take a picture. One. No, I have stalked that butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I watched I watched their habits. I Oh, okay, they visited these flowers, then they flew here, and then they came back to those flowers. So then I station myself, and I wait for them to come to me to take it, or I sneak up on them. Like, yeah. I, set, I, like I set the video on go, and I'm pretty far away yet and I just like very carefully and smoothly just kind of sneak mm-hmm. up on them try to get as close as I can without scaring them away stop occasionally when I took photograph one at ring photography one at ringling one of the things the teacher said to me it really stuck with me and taking you know you know cafe pictures or, or nature pictures like the first rule you know talking about camera settings and f-stops and blah 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 but the first rule is get the picture that's awesome yeah it seems like it feeds your soul 
the butterflies and the flowers and um and then I get to enjoy editing the pictures and making yeah. little videos and it's all part of the the artistic process for me could you see yourself without a garden and how has gardening set the the tone for your life well you know about two years ago I thought I was done gardening yeah you know I was physically debilitated and really struggling just to get around yeah and I thought that was my future and it was very depressing and very sad for me um, the idea that someday I will probably if I live long enough have to live in a place like assisted living or something like that I will not have a garden as long as I can can piddle around in the kitchen all the potted plants I'm sure on a windowsill yeah <laughs> But not having a garden is not something I've ever lived with. Uh, well, no, that's not quite true. Um, for three years when I lived in Germany, I had a balcony. And I grew, grew tomato plants in large pots on my balcony. That's awesome. So I grew plants in pots. And then there were two years that I lived in an apartment in Boston, Massachusetts. And I don't think I even had potted plants there. I just didn't have light. I didn't, you know. Mm -hmm. I had windows, but I don't think a lot of light came. It must have been north-facing. I don't remember exactly. But, <laughs> Block yeah. those out of your memory. Yeah. <laughs> so for two years, for sure, I didn't have plants. And for another three years, I only had potted plants. Other than that, I have a garden everywhere I've lived. Yeah. I've grown sunflowers. I've grown fruit trees. I've grown yeah. blackberries and strawberries and, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I've had real gardens where I actually canned and froze and, and, you know, prepared from the garden the old-fashioned way like my mother did. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't grow at that on that level now. I don't grow enough green beans to blanch and put in freezer to have over the winter. No, yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm not canning. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I will still pick herbs and dry herbs and then, you know, put them in a jar to use over the winter. But there's really not much inclination or impetus to do that living here in Florida because they're always growing anyway. Yes, exactly. So you don't really need to, although occasionally your your pot of thyme will poop out on you and you'll be without fresh thyme for a while. Yeah. yeah. Shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the life cycle. It is. It is. <laughs> is there anything else you want to share in regards to encouraging gardening? Or any words of wisdom you have to new gardeners in regards to, you know, how to create a thriving garden? I think the first piece of advice that popped into my mind is start small. Yeah, totally. Start small. I was thinking because that. Because you can so quickly become overwhelmed. I mean, you got a brand new garden spot, which was big. Yeah. To start with. Yeah. And Tell me about it. I kind of did, too. Like, this mm -hmm. was a blank slate. Like I said, there were two plants growing here. Yeah, but you started in kind of in areas and then expanded that, that you know, you kind of focused yes. on, okay, I'm going to start get this, bed going. this corner mm -hmm. and then this bed and mm -hmm. then just slowly as you had one kind of starting to thrive and grow, you moved and kind of expanded. And and part of that process uh, that would be advice to, to someone starting out like that with a new, a new spot would be... Uh, Figure out what your backbone plants are going to be. What's your skeleton plant? Mm, that's you, good. You know, the shrubs that are going to be there forever yeah. and are going to get thick. Yeah. And their needs. Mm hmm And then plant around that. Yeah. And the rest can come slowly. If you get your skeleton in, mm -hmm. then yeah. they're in and they're growing and, and the bear is gone. Mm -hmm. The big bare spot is gone yeah. because, you know, you can put in a three-foot plant and have six feet on each side of it. This bear... Mm -hmm. 
but it's not the same as having 24 foot of bare back. Absolutely. You know, so, so starting with the backbone is good, and it also gives you a structure to build on. You know, and then you build on your on your backbone. Totally. You build on your skeleton. So that's that's would be second by start small. You know, think about what your skeleton's going to be. Yeah, and, and I, you can always buy little potted plants and plant seeds, and you know, let it develop over the years. And ideally, you'd want that skeleton to be, but friendly and native plants, ones that you don't have to, yeah, baby. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So common in in commercial landscaping in like develop development housing type situations like gay communities and mm-hmm. you know places where there's um, the rules that you have to follow for yeah. HOAs and yeah whatnot. yeah all of that. Their gardening philosophy is pretty much built on shrubs that don't bloom, tropical shrubs that need a lot of water, and not natives and palm trees that don't provide a lot of habitat or, or shade. shade. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm totally against that kind of landscaping. Mm-hmm. So um, I would recommend not, I mean, if you want some tropicals for that broadleaf look, if you want whatever that one's called. or An, an elephant, alocasia. Yeah, or yeah. an elephant ear or a banana tree because it adds vari- visual variety to your garden. Um, but, but to plant a garden that relies on a lot of water, like I, I feel like I water a lot. Do you? I was going to ask you a little bit about your irrigation. Yeah, and I do it by hand. I do have hoses laid, and mm-hmm. when I was in college, I had it all on timers, and I did it. But yeah, I kind of do it by hand now, which lets me like spot water better. Yeah, but, yeah, I do. But some things require more water than others. Like you know, the tropicals need more water than than the cactus bed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> you know, the the young blooming flowers need more water than the established bushing. Bush yeah. flower, you know. So I water according to need, like I mentioned yeah. earlier, Absolutely. and it's pretty much daily unless we've had rain. I love the rain. It's like, yeah, I don't have to water tomorrow. I know. <laughs> and then you come, you get into the summer season here in Florida, and you're like, all right, okay, now it's time to move some of these succulents yeah. under the eaves because they don't like all that water. Uh, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of moving of pots. You know, I mentioned earlier I have the Empyrium under the eaves on the north side of the house. Mm-hmm. I occasionally move them out into dappled light because they start looking mm-hmm. not as not as green, not as, mm-hmm. you know, the, the blooms part is not as deep color, you know. Mm-hmm. So I occasionally move them out into dappled light for a few days. Are they pretty much in shade? Yeah, they're total shade. North side of the yeah. house. Up oh, that's on, right. It is pretty much the, north. And on the rain barrel, mm-hmm. so they're like four foot up mm-hmm. off the ground under the eaves on the north yeah. side of the house. So there's like no direct light, mm-hmm. no filtered light. It's just indirect. And you have rain reflected. barrels over there too? Yeah, there are three rain barrels against the house. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and there's anthurium and ferns on top of them. Yeah. And a couple of caladiums that are yeah. being rehabilitated. <laughs> so that's kind of like a nursery too because yeah. it's, it's it's a gentle environment yeah. until I see that they start needing light yeah. and moving back out into that I feel those nurseries are important I always have a little plant hospital too a place mm-hmm. I can like yeah. Yeah. rehabilitate and that's awesome yeah oh that was very helpful advice I hope it was. yeah no it's encouraging and I just love again just getting back to the patient process of what it takes to build a garden it's just a reflection of your desire and persistence. It's something that you just build over the years. Constancy. Yeah, for Constancy, sure. A foundation, permanence, yeah. patience. I mean, and it bears fruit. I mean, I'm just looking and it's beautiful. Well, cool. I'm looking forward to um, doing a tour of your garden. All right. Yeah, and I'll put, I'll attach that video in the show summary. So 
whoever's interested can get get a nice little tour of Peggy's Paradise. I love to tour my par- my paradise. I know you're good at it. I enjoy showing and, yeah. and seeing other people enjoy. Yeah, it's just like I enjoy showing my art. I I enjoy seeing other people enjoy it. Of course, that's payback. Yeah, part of the payback. Yeah, and it's inspirational to, mm-hmm. to in a sense too. You know, you've definitely inspired me to with the zinnias and the and the pollinator plants and the you know the gallardia and I'm always just like yes I need more of that in my yard. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And just the seeds yes- you've given me. Just yesterday, I dug up several of the volunteers of the Galeria and the really? and and moved them over into the side yard. Oh, cool. Um, again, thinking about the future, uh, wanting them to take take mm-hmm. root over there yeah. and start reading them, reseeding themselves yeah. over there and volunteering over there, so there's less bed for me to plant yeah. there. Yeah. Smart. Oh, yeah, I'm. I'm need to start working on that too. And the butterflies and bees love it. I know, and I love the color. The color that it adds is mm-hmm. just awesome. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate your time. I once read a gardening book, and one of the things in the gardening book um, said, in planning your garden and landscaping, be careful about having too many flowers so it's not too visually distracting or whatever. And I'm like, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's not for me. That's not advice for me. That's not my philosophy. (laughs) More flowers. Yeah. Never have enough. Yeah, I mean they're just amazing. <laughs> Flowers are amazing. Yes. You know, each one is its own character. Mm-hmm. So cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Ready to walk? Yeah, let's do it. Peggy gave me an awesome tour of her garden. It's so lively and full of color. She's such a great artist with her plants and combinations of her colors and textures. And yes, she is definitely the flower queen. So if you're interested in getting a little sneak peek of Peggy's garden, I'm going to post a link in the show notes to my YouTube channel in which I've added a little short video that kind of gives a little walkthrough of her garden. So yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode and happy gardening.